Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit giving hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or just overrun by a complicated life. In this series called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, you'll learn how the mind works, what motivates our choices, and find biblically-based keys to help your decision-making processes. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome once again to Freedom to Choose. Could it be this simple, the way out of your prison? And if you're looking for a reference to this program, it's Freedom to Choose program number 18. And uh, we're happy to to be talking with you today. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, in fact, Program number 17 kind of dovetails into this program quite well. So if you're just hearing this program, you may want to go on our website and grab uh, program 17 also because uh, these kind of go together. Right. So we're going to do a tiny bit of recapping or or lead in. Yeah, we'll do a little lead in, uh, but we want you to be able to to. to go through because uh, and and listen to our 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 other program and mm-hmm. our the research that we've done uh, on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so we wanted to we wanted to begin here a little bit. Uh, Should I start with prayer? Yeah, we're going to start with prayer. <laughs> I'm fumbling with papers and we're trying to get it all figured out. So okay. would you begin? Let's uh, pray. pray. Yeah, thanks. Loving Father in heaven, thank you again for an opportunity to talk about you and your principles. Uh, send your Spirit to be with us to guide us in our thoughts and. Uh, be with everybody listening, and and God, we just want to know you better because um, we um, know that we need you and we want to walk in your ways and to treat people the way you treat them. So we pray that you'll send your spirit to guide and to direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, you know what? I really like that prayer. What does it mean to walk in his ways and treat people? Because that's, that's really beautiful if we understand who God is. Right. But it, it, some of us understand God as if I don't walk in his ways, he's going to get me. Or, you know, the thing is, when you just said that kind of check, check, because our last program, and we're going to talk about uh, Satan's greatest fraud, um, is that if we believe that God is going to um, murder people mm-hmm. or, or, you know, punish people, then it, I think it can give us the permission to be vengeful and resentful and anger and all this other thing. Okay, but doesn't the Bible say, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord? But what does that mean? What does it mean? Right. What is What does it mean? Does a doctor take vengeance out on his patient or vengeance out on a disease that he's fighting? Right. See, and that's what we have to remember. we got to let the Bible define itself. And as we look at Jesus and how he treated people. He treated a lot of sick people, didn't he? Right. Very sick people, and how did he treat he them? He treated them by, <clears throat> excuse me, by making them whole again. Exactly. And, and, and who were the most debased? Was it the drug addicts and the alcoholics that were wandering around with him? Or no. was it the religious leaders that nailed him to a cross? Right. And what was his last-ditch effort to heal them? Mm-hmm. 
I forgive you. Right, on the cross, on when the he cross, was on the cross. When he was right. on the cross dying. And then and then you can go back to, to, I think it's John 17, where it says if you've seen, he's talking to the disciples, and I think Thomas is asking, but, you know, what's the Father like? And he said, have I been with you so long that you don't understand? Because yeah. if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's right. So when we look at the life of Jesus, we see how he's trying to reconcile us to God. And so I think sometimes we can read the Bible and say, if we choose not to be reconciled with God, then he's going to flip out and he's going to burn us, Yeah, you know, and he's going to destroy us. But the thing is, is like we talked in program 17, is that the destruction comes from sin. Yep. It comes from our choices. It comes from, from who we have decided who we're going to follow and who we're going to be. Yep. God does not destroy. Yeah. God gives you over to those things that you choose. Yeah. And he and it's if we insist on leaving God despite all of his efforts to win us back, the only loving and just thing he can do is release us. Right. And when the life forgives life giver does that, we die. God's letting go as we learned earlier is is him giving us up to reap the consequences of our choice. It's what the Bible refers to as his wrath. And we read the entire chapter uh, last program in program 17. In Romans chapter 1, we read the chapter where Paul states three times, verse 24, 26, and 28, that God's wrath, wrath is giving them up. When we first considered this possibility, it was very difficult for us to accept because we'd been taught our entire lives that God would one day use his power to punish and destroy. But what did we find his power was? His power was girding his loins and washing a dozen pair of dirty feet when he had realized that all power on heaven and earth had been given to him. Right. His power was forgiving those that nailed him to the cross. Right. His power was getting having sympathy with the woman at the well to where right. she runs and grabs the whole town. Right. His power was forgiving the woman that was thrown down in adultery and simply riding the sins of the Pharisees in the dust so a few puffs of wind and a few footprints would blow them away in his effort to win them. His power of is love. It's like heaping coals of fire on someone when someone loves you like that and doesn't expose you for who you really are and just continues to flood you with love. Right. God's love is amazing. It's like heaping coals of fire. Right. Because, and I think we get into it later on in the program, but God's justice is setting us right. To yeah. do justly is to do right by people. So God is, God's whole effort in our lives is to set us right. Right, right. Um, so in, it's just, go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to, I was going to go here. Okay. Cause what we, when Susan and I were, we're, we've been studying this for, for a long time. And, and, but what we didn't understand was when, when God actually said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of garden, you will die. God didn't announce, I will kill you. Right. He said, you should, you know, if you dis disobey, you're going to change yourself. You're going to become selfie, selfish. And if you, and, and you're going to want to leave me. Which is exactly what Adam did, and 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 then he, he Satan, ran from Satan God. says the opposite at that time and says you surely won't die. You're not gonna die. And what's everybody telling us? No, yeah, you, no, you're not gonna die. When God right. says no, you will. Right. So you there, will die. there you have that the thing in the very beginning in the book of Genesis where God is trying to tell us what sin is, what it does to you, and Satan's refuting, saying. No, it won't kill you. You can do whatever you want Yeah, you can you do whatever to. you want. It will not kill follow you. Follow your nature. Follow your desires. Yeah. Do whatever you want to do. Don't worry about anything. And he has the whole world convinced. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we're 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 against God. Yeah, we have been set against God, and God is doing everything to set us back to a uh, correct understanding. Yeah, to a correct understanding. Right. Yeah. Um, has anybody ever died this death, this second death that the Bible talks about? You because know, do we have evidence that someone has ever died the second death? Absolutely. Where, where do we have that evidence? That's Jesus. You so because we, you know, one person in history, right? That's right. Um, because he is the one person that in Jesus is the one person in all history that has died the death that God told Adam and Eve about. It's the death that the wages of sin and that results from the separation of God. It's the sinner's death. All the examples that we have that are in previously in the Bible, you can talk about the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, the firstborn of Egypt, doesn't apply because every one of those people are going to be resurrected, either in the resurrection of life or in the resurrection of damnation. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. So those people are asleep in the grave right now. Right. But, you know, um, Jesus said that uh, when when he resurrected Lazarus, he, Lazarus was dead, and Jesus says, well, he's asleep. He's asleep in the great, I'll, grave. I'll resurrect him, right? right? And so all those people that died in the flood, died in, uh, in, in the past, they're asleep in the grave, and they want, they will be resurrected in one of two resurrections, the right. resurrection of life or the resurrection of damnation, right? right? So we have to look at the cross to discover what happens to to what happened to Christ, and we see how God treated the one who became sin, though he knew no sin. On the cross, God treated his son as an unrepentant, unhealable sinner. Right, and when Christ took the sinner's place on the cross and experienced from the Father what the what unrepentant um, will ultimately endure at the final judgment, and what did God do to his son at the cross? What did Christ plea, my God, why are you torturing me, beating me, raining fire down on me from heaven? No. He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you given me up? Yeah, It's the same it's thing the as in Romans. Things. Why have you given, given me, me up, up to this? Yeah, and God gives him up. And I think that started in, in Gethsemane, remember? Because he said, I'm, gonna, I'm about to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. Right. And prior to that, whenever those people went after him, he went out through them, through the crowd. He went out this way. He disappeared that way. But then he told the disciples, I'm about to be betrayed. My hour has come. My hour has come. And the Father's presence left him, and he was left in the garden with the devil, and he sweat great drops of blood, and and he was given over. Right. He was given over to the hands of sinful men under under the influence of Satan. Right. And they took him, and they had their way with him. Right. And it was horrible to watch. And that was all in an effort to cause Christ to... Um, take his um, to to give up on humanity and to yeah. save himself, right? right. And it be in his human nature was challenged. Yeah, to, not like, my. Yeah, like none of us will ever experience his human nature was challenged to save himself. Yeah, and he said, I, "I am." In fact, he was like, he was all messed up in the garden. Right. He he said, "I am sick unto death." Right. If there's any other way, not my will, your will. Oh, but let me go back to that. Is there any other way? Right. Is there any other way? But not my will, your will. Let this cup pass yeah, from let me. Let it pass from right. me. I, I just, I don't want it. My body does not want to go through with right. this. And the devil, you know, is hammering him in the garden. Right. He hammered him all the way up to the end when he's saying, come down off that cross, save yourself. 
you see. And so, so this was the test of that human nature. And Jesus, in human form, for lack of a better term, fixed the human brain fix the human species species did not give in to the lower nature and that's how he can be our example that's right is that we're to have that same mind we're to have the mind of christ we're we're to look at him and see the battle that he has won he has won the war he has won um he has now he's the king he's taken back this world from from sin and from satan and he reigns but he still has his subjects here that are giving their allegiance to Satan. We mm-hmm. give our allegiance to Satan every day. And so what God is trying to say is walk, turn from death. Yeah. Why will you die? Why will you die? How can I let you go? Please let the, let that nature, let your carnal nature die and live in a spiritual way where you're loving others as you love yourself and loving God. Yeah, because Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Exactly, he, because that those are the only principles where that God's universe exists. Yeah. Everything is giving. Everything, Everything is, is giving. Right. Yeah. It's it's a cycle where um you it's it's better to give than to receive. Yeah. Right. You see it throughout the Bible. All nature gives. Yeah. And um except for selfish humans. Yeah. If you, we want to take, take, take. Yeah, we want to take. Yeah. So this mass fraud that we're talking about, because um there is a there is a big fraud going on. Um Satan is such a convincing liar that he's perpetuated this mass fraud on most of us about the issue of what happens to the lost, what happens to them. Um, And if we let the Bible tell us in many different instances, because we, we uh, we get the imagery that there's fire at the end, don't we? Yes. There's, oh, yes. Th- th- we get the imagery. There's, there's fire. But what exactly is this fire? Right. That's what the question. What is it? Right. That's the question. And the book of Isaiah will give us a little example, and then we can kind of spot check the Bible all through, and we're going to find that this is very consistent. Isaiah thirty three fourteen tells us that the sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling grips the godless. Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burnings? Now, Many of us conclude that the passage has hell in mind, but look at the answer to the reply. Who can do, who can dwell here? Right. This is verse 15. It says, but whom does the Bible say will actually dwell there? The next verse is going to say, he who walks righteously and speaks what is right, who rejects gain from extortion and keeps his hand from accepting bribes, who stops his ears against plots of murder and shuts his eyes against contemplating evil. Okay, so that sounds like the righteous people are going to live in this. He who walks up righteously. Yeah, so let's let's spot check it then, because if I if I if I'm thinking right now, didn't God walk by a rock and hold and tell Moses to hide in the cleft of the rock because his brightness is too much for him? Right. And when Moses came down the hill, his face shone. Correct. Right. So there was a fiery presence there. What about the burning bush? Right. It burned, but it wasn't consumed. Correct. What about the three Hebrews in the fiery furnace? Right. They nothing were righteous. Was, right. Nothing was burned, nothing right? Nothing was burned. They weren't singed, right? But those that were unrighteous who went near the fire were consumed. Yeah. They fell as dead. Yeah. That's how that's, they were that, consumed. That's exactly right. It's interesting. Right. And so we we can actually go through here, and let's, and let's give some Bible texts about it. I think you have it right here. 
Right. Okay. So if we take the Bible as a right. whole. So if we take the Bible as a whole, we can start in Genesis and we can search all the way through. We discover something most interesting. In Exodus 3, when God spoke to Moses from the bush, the bush burned, but it didn't burn. <clears throat> then in Exodus twenty four sixteen, God appeared on Sinai and the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire. But the mountain remained. Sinai wasn't destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Sinai remained, even though it looked like a consuming fire. Yeah. And then it's uh, Second Chronicles five thirteen tells us when Solomon's temple was dedicated, God came down, and the priests couldn't enter the temple because of the brightness of his glory. Ezekiel twenty eight declares that before his fall, Lucifer walked among the fiery stones of God's presence. Right. Second Thessalonians one declares that the brightness of Christ's coming annihilates the wicked. 1 Timothy 6.16 describes God as living in unapproachable light. Hebrews 12.29 announces that our God is a consuming fire. And in Revelation 23, we learn that the new heaven and a new earth will have no need for a sun or a moon to light the earth because God's presence will be its light. So what does this all mean? Well, it's Satan's great fraud. The vast majority of us have accepted this, that the place you don't want to go and the place you don't want to be is a place of eternal burnings and consuming fire. But that place is God's very presence. That's right. God's life-giving glory consumes all who are out of harmony with him, but it'll heal all who are in harmony. His life-giving glory will transform the righteous as it did Moses when he was on the mountain in God's presence. When Moses came down from Sinai, he radiated God's glory so much that the Israelites begged him to wear a veil because he, they couldn't bear to look at him. Yeah, see, it, it's it's not fire. It's like fire. Right. So it's a metaphor. The brightness. The brightness. It's metaphoric. That's why the burning bush didn't consume. Right. You know, Christ demonstrated the same reality just prior to his crucifixion. You remember on his way to the cross? Jesus revealed, revealed that the fire is not what destroys. He walked through the consuming fire and eternal burning at, Mount, at the Mount of Transfiguration. There, God's fiery glory enveloped Christ. And what happened? Did the fire burn Christ? Was he hurt? No, because Christ was without sin. The fire was harmless. Christ revealed that the fire is not destructive. It is sin that destroys Sin annihilates the sinner, not God. That's right. The truth presented in Scripture is really clear. It gives every, God gives everybody all free will. If we choose to reject his methods, we slowly destroy our ability to reason, blind our conscience, and we lose the ability to govern ourselves. We come to prefer methods of selfishness, force, exploitation, deceit, and secrecy instead of those of truth, love, openness, and freedom. In the process, we take ourselves so out of harmony with God that his presence becomes a consuming fire. You know, and that's it's amazing, but you know what? The, to me, that is a relief. Mm -hmm. Yes. That know that God is not out to get me. Right. He's out to save me. Right, right. You know, he's because I know when I was in my addiction, I did believe there was a God, but I believed he had a clipboard, and he was running around over my shoulder, writing stuff down, and I'm looking over my shoulder going, he's going to get me here, he's going to get me here. So what's the what, point uh, to Yeah, life? why, what's the point? Right. Yeah, and, 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 and it makes you so nervous and upset, and it, there's no freedom in that. And, and the thing is, is we're not saying that um, 
what what we're saying is is that when we see God in this light, that it brings a change in who you are as a person. You don't remain that that same person yeah, lost in ch- your selfishness. It it changes you. It molds you into somebody who's in harmony with God's principles. Yeah. I mean, how would you like to live in a marriage where you were under threat of me doing something to harm you? In there order would, to force you to love me. See, there that, would be no love. We talked about antithetical beliefs in the last program, right. and that is an antithetical belief. Right. I can't force you to love me and then expect, expect love, to, love in to, return. And expect love to exist in a forced relationship. It, it doesn't work. It's, that's, and see, so we lose the ability to reason when we, when we, when we believe antithetical beliefs, when right. we believe beliefs that actually contradict themselves. Right. We lose our ability so, to so, reason. So what Satan has done, he has made God the enemy, not sin and our actions. Right, exactly. He's made so, God the right. enemy. So God is the problem because he's going to get me instead of me being the problem right. because I'm choosing to go against God's principles of love. Yeah, and so then we develop things to protect ourselves from God, like putting Jesus between us and God and all kinds of stuff, but Jesus is God too. So how do we put God in between us and God? See, so things get really weird and really crossed up when we when we try when God the Father is different from Christ Jesus. Right. Even though Jesus said, "When you if you've seen me, you've seen the Father," very clearly, you know. And so this is you know, and and the the wicked are going to die. They're going to die as a result of being unfit to exist in the presence of God's life giving glory. That's how it's going to work. Not because of an imposed penalty by a powerful ruler. But those who have cooperated with God for the restoration of his image within, operating again from principles of love, truth, openness, and freedom, are transformed by his presence and will be light—they'll live forever in his life-giving glory, the eternal burnings and the consuming fire. Right, and and so I think, you know, don't take our word for it. It, it's something that you can look through the Bible and that you can you can search for the things in the Bible. And we've given some references, you yes. know, and, and you can, if, when you think about it now, think of, uh, uh, I even think of Revelation 14, I think it's 14.9, where it says the fire and brimstone, mm-hmm. and they'll be tormented in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Who's in the fire? Right. See? Then How about it's, it's not torture. They're tormented. They're mentally tormented because they're unfit to live in the fire, and they will perish. Has your conscience ever burned? You're, yeah, it's from it's, shame or some, guilt. Yeah. And what about Elijah? Yeah, Elijah he was caught up, up in a fiery, fiery chariot. chariot. Right. The fire is good. The it, it, fire is where we want to be. Yeah. It, it's cleansing. Correct. It's cleansing, but it needs to cleanse now. Right. Just like a cancer. Right. If you've got cancer, it needs to be treated now. You can't go to the doctor at stage with stage four cancer and expect to be healed then. Right. Very difficult. Still possible, right. but very difficult. And this is where the Bible is saying, today is the day of salvation. Let God into your heart. Let him, let, him, let him start the process of healing and curing. Come to him no matter what. He is not out to get you. Right. So God is a doctor who wants to heal the patient. The disease is sin that wants to destroy, and the disease comes from Satan. Yep. And God wants to take vengeance on that disease, not on you. Right. He wants to take vengeance on that disease. He wants to save us. Yeah. But if we're so consumed with that disease at end at the end of time, then we're out, so out of harmony with God, God and His ways that we will die. Yes, because and He will have no choice but to let us let go. Let us go. 
Um, and that's going to be that's that's God's strange act of yeah. letting letting His children letting His go. children go. Right, a very hard thing to do, especially. I mean, can't imagine. I mean, we love one another, but we have no idea what that agape love is like. Right, how much He really loves us. Right, and how much He's just and just think about. You know, we're wondering. Okay, well, how can all these people be wrong? Remember, folks, one third of the most brilliant beings that God ever created got duped by Satan. Right. These people had perfect siblings with a perfect, perfect father, and everything was perfect, right. and he duped them. And that guy is now running now this, ru- running around like a roaring lion to deceive and to get us to follow him so that we're against God. Yep, and this is the big fraud. Right. You will not surely die. Correct. The first lie, Right. you shall not surely die. That's true. You will surely die. God said it over and over again. You Watch my son. I will show you what it's like when I give someone over. And so, um, yeah, it's it's scary, but it's also, for me, it's refreshing to know that God is not just waiting to nail me. Right. He's not waiting to nail me. And so, you know, we have tons of resources on our website, and um, you can get the workbook or uh, give us a call at 916-645-1297. Go to our website www.justasiamministries.com. Yes. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose, There truly is hope for people whose lives might be overrun with hard decisions, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials that biblical principles do work, and they've put together a workbook with Dr. Timothy Jennings to move yourself or those you love towards freedom. If you would like to order this new workbook, called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison. Please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.